Wow. Good morning, Four Oaks. It is Thursday, October 12th. Pastor Paul here. I'm actually live in the flesh in the North American continent, the state of Florida, the country of the United States. I've been broadcasting, of course, this last 10 days or so from Greece and Turkey as we have been tracing the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. Well, we have arrived back. My head is pounding. I'm jet lagged. But of course, I wanted to be here so that we could wrap up our 10-day journey with the Apostle Paul together. So we took a group of about 40 folks over to Greece. We traced the footsteps of Paul for his second and third missionary journeys. Um, we, we dipped our toe into Asia where we were in Ephesus. And if you have not been uh, keeping track, you can go back and watch all those devotionals. We did them live on site from places like Philippi and Berea and Corinth and Thessalonica and or Thessaloniki, as our Greece friends say. But now we're back. We got back late and, and we're ready to wrap all of this up. And we will next week um, start back our regular devotionals tracking through Matthew's gospel but I wanted to take today to sort of put a bow on everything we've been talking about. So this will be our last devotional of the week. We'll have a little longer weekend to recover, be back at it regular on um, Monday. But, but this morning, I want to try to finish things up by answering two questions. Okay, then two questions are these. What drove the Apostle Paul? That's the first question. And then number two, why did his vision ultimately prevail? Now, in answering these questions, I'm going to be making some assumptions, such as, of course, we know that in the providence of God, uh, Paul succeeded because God wanted him to, because God was sovereign and is sovereign in control, and that it was the Holy Spirit motivating Paul. And, and all that is completely true. What, what I'm really trying to ask, though, is from a human level, what compelled Paul? Why was he, in fact, such a driven man with driven goals? And, and what made him successful um, in a way that no other missionary in the history of the world has been successful? I want to look at the human elements um, that are a part of this. So, so what drove Paul? Now, when you read Paul's letters, you oftentimes hear Paul say things like, when he was an unbeliever, when he was persecuting Christians, he was zealous for the law. He was zealous for Torah. He was zealous for the kingdom. Now, that word zeal isn't just an adjective, okay? That means he was driven or he was animated. Um, it, it's actually a, a, a designation. Remember, there was a whole party of Jews called the Zealots, and what they believed was that the kingdom of God would come by force, that there would be a physical overthrow of the Roman government. So one of Jesus's disciples, Simon the Zealot, came from the Zealot party. Now, Paul was not a part of the Zealot party, but he very much was in step and in spirit with what the Zealots believed. Paul, of course, was a Pharisee, and he practiced um, religiously, if we can use that word, the, 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 the law, the Torah, as he understood it, but he also saw himself as a zealot, okay? Um, meaning that he, I think, in a lot of ways, saw his ministry as consistent 
with the Old Testament prophets who oftentimes demonstrated their zeal through physical violence or force. Now, let me, let me give you an example, okay? So if you have your Bibles, I know you do. Why would you show up here and not have your Bible? Let's turn to Numbers chapter 25, okay? See, a lot of times when we think about Paul going around and killing Christians, persecuting them, uh, approving of the stoning of Stephen, of, of um, taking great joy, we, we, we think about the evilness of Paul. But for Paul... He was not being evil. He was just being consistent with what he thought God wanted him to do. Now, I think he saw himself very much in the tradition of Phineas, who was the son of Aaron, the high priest, um, who demonstrated his zeal in this way. Look at Numbers chapter 25, verse 6. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family, in the sight of Moses, in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel, while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the men of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the men of Israel and the woman, through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. So an Israelite man brings a pagan woman who's not his wife. They are being intimate in the tent. And Phineas, to show his zeal for the law, uh, thrusts a spear through the both of them while they are together and kills them both. Now, here is God's pronouncement of his, of his favor on what Phineas does. Look at verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses... Phineas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of God in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. So Phineas was zealous for the Lord, showed his zeal by killing the enemies of God and in, and in, the, in effect helping to establish the rule and reign of God. Let's go back to Paul. Paul before he was converted, believed that he was following in the line of Phineas. He was persecuting, he was zealous for the law, and this drove everything. He thought that by his obedience to Torah, by his persecuting of Christians, God's kingdom would be ushered in, the Messiah would come. Now, when Paul was, this is what drove him, but when Paul was converted, what he came to see was that he was looking at all of this through the long, wrong lens. He was looking at all of this through the lens of the law, the lens of Torah. But what God said is, no, 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 I want you to look at this through the lens of Jesus, that everything I have been doing has been in the ultimate preparation and fulfillment of Jesus coming as the Messiah, not as the conquering king, but as the suffering servant. And once Paul understood that he was looking at this through the wrong lens, he had the wrong key, but that the right key was, was Jesus, it transformed the way he looked at everything. But he was still had the same zeal. Now he came to understand that Jesus was the true temple, that Jesus was the one whom God was going to unify everything under heaven and earth under Jesus's authority. He came to understand it was Jesus who was ushering in the kingdom. It was Jesus who laid his life down 
uh, for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus was the skeleton key, so to speak, that unlocked every door. And what happened for Paul, still the same Paul, still driven, still full of purpose, still full of zeal, but now came to realize he was zealous in the wrong way. Now he was zealous for an eternal reality accomplished through the crucified Messiah, Jesus, and this is what drove him. This is what drove him till the day he died. God's kingdom was coming. His people, meaning the Jewish people, were rejecting him, but the Gentiles were embracing him. Paul knew his time was short. His time was limited, right, as all of ours are. And he, this compelled him, drove him to the very end. In a lot of ways, you can see, you can say, that Paul, that God gave Paul the gift of seeing things as they truly are, and that this earth is passing away, but God is making a new heavens and a new earth through Jesus. So make the most of our time. That's a great lesson for us, right? May we we may have different gifts than Paul, but we don't have we don't have a different call, right? Our call is still to to make Jesus known, to still live a life on mission and purpose. What we want to pray is that God would help us to see life, reality, truth unhindered, unencumbered in the way that Paul saw it, right? And so, so this is, I think, what drove Paul, and we can ask God for the same clarity of mind and purpose in our own lives. Now, second question, why did Paul's vision prevail? Now, one of the things that I mentioned in one of our devotionals, and I think it was from Philippi um, last week, is that what was happening in the New Testament church community was, was something that had never happened in the history of the world, okay? And here's what I mean. In the history of the world, um, people have tended to, birds of a feather flock together, right? So people who are the same age tend to, connect together, or the same ethnicity, or the same socioeconomic class, or the same sex, or the same station of life, or the same hobbies, or the same interests. And, and that, that is the way it's been throughout human history. But in the church, something unique happened, that there was given to people a unifying relationship, reality, that would be Jesus Christ, that brought everyone from every walk of life, um, every station of life, every, every gender, every vocation, every socioeconomic level, ever, um, every ethnicity. In fact, you could look at the church in Antioch as sort of a, a prototype of this, right? There was uh, incredible diversity across all of these ranges and brought them together and made them a family. Nothing in the history of the world had ever been done like this and still nothing has ever been done like it since, okay? We have shadows of it, right? We have teams, we cheer for the same sports, we have families, we have, um, you know, clubs, um, hobbies, all those sorts of things that bring us together along certain lines, vocation, but never everyone all at once with a level playing field. And this was otherworldly, this was confounding, and what began to happen is that the church um, provided this alternative social and cultural reality 
that that unified people in a way that Caesar couldn't unify people, that ethnicity couldn't unify people. Um, this this brought people together along uh, a and a, both a vertical and horizontal axis that was truly astounding and unique in the history of the world. And these Christians who came together were modeling a new community. They were modeling the new heaven and the new earth. And they began to do things that completely um, confounded the culture. They began caring for one another. They began caring for the poor. They began doing good works for the sick. They adopted babies. They they set up medicinal clinics. They they helped and served one another um, with the love of Jesus Christ in a way that had never been done and never been done since. And this is why we continually see in the book of Acts that the church, while simultaneously being persecuted and ridiculed and struck down, was also a beacon of light. It was a compelling force. It was... Um, it was a, a winsome representative, and it drew people into its presence at the same time. So, all, of course, all this is under the sovereignty of God, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. But these, I think, are things that are unique, so that a Christian could travel around anywhere in the Roman Empire and find a family um, just like the one that they had left, not, not, not just like in the sense of it looked the same, or I, but, but that it was unified by the same things, and that is a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. And Paul, I think, would feel kind of embarrassed if he knew we were talking about him and taking journeys to trace his steps. But then he would all think, turn, flip the tables on us and say, but yeah, but what is your mission? What is your journey? Are, um, how are you leveraging your life? Not just admiring me, but imitating me in terms of your purpose and mission in life. All right. I think that about wraps it up. Um, it's great to be back with you, be back in the pulpit this Sunday, back in Matthew chapter 12. And then on Monday, of course, we'll start our regular devotional times again. Um, thanks for praying for us, Four Oaks. So glad to be back. Let me pray for you. Lord, go before us today. Help us to rightly imitate Paul. And in his single-minded devotion, ministry, purpose, and service. And through that, would you continue to build your kingdom, draw people to yourself. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend.